Welcome to The Microscopists, a bite-sized bio-podcast. Hosted by Peter O'Toole, sponsored by Zeiss Microscopy. Today on The Microscopists... Today on The Microscopists, I'm joined by Stefan Terjong from EMBL over in Heidelberg. And we discuss about the most exciting developments currently in the field. Okay, light sheet, super resolution techniques, faster, more sensitive, more correlative work. And some really interesting sounding nights out. And then we had a Halloween party in a Russian discotheque. <laughs> that was also a fun event. I was close to sending you pictures from that. Plus, some really questionable career advice he received. Don't do biology, you will not get a job. Biologists are all unemployed, that's what they told me. And why that is definitely not the case. Okay, one of the positions is currently not filled, um, so there will be a job opening in the next future, so maybe that triggers a few applicants, so watch out. All in this episode of The Microscopist. Hi, I'm Peter O'Toole and welcome to this episode of The Microscopist. And today I'm joined by Stefan Turgeon from EMBL over in Heidelberg. Stefan, how are you today? Thanks, Peter. I'm fine. And thanks a lot for this nice invitation. Even though it's uh, triggered a slight imposter syndrome looking at the past uh, guests you had. But um, since it's always nice to chat with you, I thought I accept it. So I'm looking forward. it's interesting you say imposter syndrome because obviously you, you're now comparing probably yourself against some of the Nobel laureates and the big rock stars of the development of microscopy. I would argue you're one of the rock stars of enabling microscopy. <laughs> and I think that's equally important. And I think people forget how important the role of EMBL and, core facil- and leading the way of core facilities that we've copied over in York and people have copied across the world. <clears throat> so actually, yeah, you're not an imposter. You are one of those megastars, Stefan. Well, you as well, I would say, Peter. <coughs> uh, different. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you are leading one of the, if not the, uh, most known microscopy facilities in the world. So that's the Advanced Light Microscopy Facility at EMBL, which is possibly one of the first core facilities. Yeah, I think it's, at least one of the very early ones, um, but so I'm, I'm, I would say, co-leading. So I'm operational manager, and uh, so Rainer Pepperkoch is actually uh, the head of the Advanced Light Microscopy Facility. And I would say we have a very shallow uh, hierarchy. So I mean, we are all still relatively independent, I think. So we we don't need to lead too much. That's actually the nice part. So feels like all. Most working on its own, that's actually pretty nice, most of the time. <laughs> and how big is the team that's there? Um, yeah, well, we have uh, Rainer, um, but he's um, yeah, more on the managing side because he also has a research team and uh, is also director of the other core facilities at EMBL now. Um, yeah, and then um, we are basically six uh, staff members 
Um, plus one postdoc, uh, but okay, one of the positions is currently not filled. Um, so there will be a job opening in the next future. So maybe that triggers a few applicants, so watch out. Um, and on top, there's the Center for Bioimage Analysis, uh, where Christian Tischer is now um, basically um, having a small team or starting to have a small team helping with image analysis, not only for light microscopy, but also electron microscopy. But he's still, yeah, certain, to a certain extent, uh, joined in the LMF as well. And so well, depends on if you want to count it or not. Um, but yeah, I so I would say we are six and a half because the postdoc is shared with the lung center at the university, plus the image analysis people. And that team is that it changes quite frequently uh yeah pe people come in and go come in and go you came in and you're still there what yes. happened <laughs> yeah that's uh, maybe the other imposter uh, um syndrome cause <laughs> yeah I, I think you you had this in other um interviews with ember people so typically we have for stuff uh, up to nine years at EMBL, and then latest people have to leave. Uh, but there are exceptions, and I'm still very happy that I'm one of the exceptions. So I passed the nine years, and I'm actually this year 19 years at EMBL, and it's on a rolling contract base. So I'm, I'm reviewed every four years, um, if everything is fine. Um, and actually, I think that's a very good uh, way to still have a certain dynamic and, and also keep the motivation running. <clears throat> but yeah, that means, um, yeah, our stuff is not there forever. But on the other hand, nine years is, well, okay, sometimes you have the feeling time is flying. On the other hand, it's, it's not too short, like sometimes at university where it's like one or two years only, and then people already have to look for something. at least need a new contract or so. So, I mean, okay, here it's typically also three years contracts, but the nine years, uh, if it works fine, are typically more or less clear. Yeah, and maybe it's not so, as you say, you know, academia in your first postdoc years, you, you, you get three years, five years, and but, but you, end, you do end up settling somewhere. And it's very rare for people to settle at EMBL in Heidelberg, and, and you're one of the settled ones. I've got to say, I didn't realize you're still on four year rolling contract. So, how stressful is that? Your family there, everything's there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not very stressed about it. So, I hope that's uh, <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> um, because I think as long as uh, I'm performing, I'm, I mean, usually it's really fun to work here. Um, and I'm very motivated uh, as long as the facility is needed um, and not uh, yeah, very new topics coming up that I cannot help anymore. I think that should always work. And um, yeah, so I yeah, had more or less two of these uh, uh, reviews now and okay, it's a bit of work. On the other hand, uh, you also, um, I mean, I, I have to more or less write what I did in the last uh, four years then. And I actually also like it a bit because you really look back and get an idea, okay, actually that happened in these four years because otherwise, uh, yeah, you very often just have this, this rolling 
shutter feeling. <laughs> so always there's no big differences from one day to the next most of the time. But if you look back like two years, four years, uh, yeah, there is actually a lot which, which happens. So um, therefore it's, it's not that bad, I think. So I, I think it's nice. And so our core facilities here are reviewed every four years anyway, and it's close to, so that's actually another good uh, reason to go through publications, what happened, what's with the instruments. And um, so that part, I don't find that stressful anymore. <clears throat> That's a relief because it's it's not nice. I, I'm very fortunate. I have an open contract, uh, and many I think many in the UK once they become once they get involved in the core facilities, they do get an open contract. Uh, and career mm -hmm. career progressions can be good in other places, not so good. So it's a bit hit and miss on on that side. Mm -hmm. I, I'll take you back in time. How, how how did you even fall into this job? Because it's especially 19 years ago, it's a very niche job. I, I started this job, I think, 19, 20, 19, 20 years, 20 years ago. Gosh, I should know that, it's our 20th anniversary for the facility. Uh, mm -hmm. But when you were a child, what did you want to be? <laughs> uh, actually, I think, um, yeah, as a child, I, I do remember there was um, an open day at the police station. And at that time, there was the motorway police and they had a Porsche. And, and I fell in love and I thought, wow, I want to be motorway policeman driving around with this Porsche. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, that's what I, I remember. I like, I, I like the idea of it. So what happened? <laughs> How did you fall into <laughs> science? Well, <laughs> actually, um, sometime later, I mean, I don't think I would have become policeman and motorway uh, uh, police, but <laughs> regarding the Porsche. Uh, so my, my father was once um, invited to a company event and, and it was in a hotel in Austria also. And he took uh, my, my mother and me as well. And then one of the, of the employees of this company actually had a Porsche I liked, so 928 at that time. Um, and I told my father, so he told him, and then he said, ah, oh, let's just have a short uh, ride with a nice car. And I mean, it felt for me like sitting on the streets and I was not that tall yet, so I could barely watch across the windscreen. Uh, and then there was this curvy serpentines going up to whatever hills and <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> so. After that, I thought, okay, Porsches look nice. I like the design, but I was not so keen on driving them anymore. And I, I didn't drive any myself. <laughs> so what car do you drive? Oh, I have a Ford Focus. Um, yeah, just a very simple, uh, yeah, with a relatively low um, uh, gas consumption. So not, not gas, fuel consumption. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we also have a Ford Focus. So mm -hmm. ah, on that one, uh, <coughs> yeah, my wife likes it because the, the 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 roof lifts back, which is quite nice. Not it's not completely coupe; it's just the, the glass roof mm -hmm. goes back. So she's very keen on that. Okay, so what got you into science? Um, 
Well, I was in, in school, I was always interested. So my favorite subject was chemistry actually. And I also like biology quite a bit. Um, actually, when I was a, a child, I also uh, wanted to have a microscope and I, I got a very simple, um, yeah, just transmitted light microscope. But there I was actually a bit disappointed because it had only one ocular and yeah, I wanted to rather have uh, pictures, but I didn't want to draw them. And I even tried to adapt my, my SLR camera to the, to the ocular, but then <laughs> only had this small dot in the center because of course at that time, my physics was obviously not my best subject. So I didn't have uh, appropriate optics in or so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but then the, the contrast was not so good on that microscope, even though for, for um, hobby, it was actually already quite nice. Um, but somehow I lost track of that one. Um, but yeah, I was, so my favorite was somehow chemistry, at least in school. And yeah, but, so I, I wanted to have it as a main subject, but there were not enough people in my, my um, um, yeah, in, in the class more or less. Um, and then I did biology as a main subject in, in school and have chemistry as a side subject. And then went yeah, then because yeah, I thought combination is nice, so I thought about studying biochemistry. Uh, but at that time, it just started to be a own subject, um, and most people told me, "Ah, study chemistry, you will always get a job. It's it's very secure, but don't do biology. You will not get a job. Biologists are all unemployed." That's what they told me, and I just started chemistry diploma. And uh, all the people who wanted to get a job didn't get any because that was the time where the Sandor's um, uh, chemistry accident and the Rhine happened and, and <laughs> the total uh, uh, close down of, of the uh, chemistry more or less and, and they had big problems so they didn't hire anybody for a few years kind of. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't like it so much. So I actually switched to biology, chemistry, but uh, not diploma, uh, but rather, but it's called Staatsexam. So I could have become a um, high school teacher, potentially. <clears throat> oh, Darren, that would have been a different career. And you sent me this picture. <laughs> yeah, that's actually the microscope I was talking about, which I got as a child, uh, but that's my son. <laughs> Um, and he also at a certain time asked, yeah, um, microscopy, and ah, there is this one, can we have a look? And yeah, we played a bit, well, played or looked uh, at some samples together. He also came up to Amber a few times, but I think it was a bit too early to really catch him. Um, yeah, and then, I don't know, at least he doesn't, uh, did, doesn't study physics or biology, so he does pharmaceutical sciences at the moment. How old is he? Okay, obviously a lot older than he is right here then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's turning 20 this year. Okay, that's, that's, that's cool. And it's just, just the one child? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah? One. <laughs> so you nearly became a teacher, so that would have been... Actually, would you compare part of your job I would argue is teaching as well. well yeah, actually, in the earlier days when you were probably more hands-on than maybe you are now, there must be a lot of teaching involved. And still with the courses, there must be a lot of teaching. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, every introduction is more or less a certain 
kind of, of teaching, of course. As you said, we do courses, so internal and also on international level. And yeah, I'm still getting involved there, even though it's, it's less. And yeah, I also like it that the colleagues also take over and um, yeah, I, I can relax in these aspects a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I compared it to um, being a teacher in school. And I think I like it more like it is now because especially in chemistry, most pupils in school are not that keen on learning chemistry. <laughs> so that might be hard, but uh, everybody coming to our courses is really keen on learning. So it's, it's more motivating, let's say, and it's only part of the job. So I, I think teacher is in principle a nice job. I'm not so sure if it would be um, perfect for me. So I'm, I'm happy that I didn't become a teacher and, and I'm very happy with my job right now. Um, but yeah, in principle, uh, it's, it's nice to be a teacher, but on the other hand, it's, it's also repetitive and, and quite hard because yeah, all the pupils uh, being loud, uh, that's not as bad with our courses most of the time. <laughs> I'm just thinking, thinking about conferences and how loud they can get, especially certainly some of them. Uh, and actually sent me this. What? So it, this looks quite loud. <laughs> yeah, but that's not a cross. That's actually uh, from uh, Emmy, the Emmy in Dublin. And mm. that was the social event with the, the party afterwards. Um, actually, on the Emmy meetings, I always like the atmosphere anyway. I mean, scientifically. But, and, and somehow microscopists are. 99.9% very nice people, in my opinion. So it's a really nice community, nice crowd. And uh, yeah, at Emmy meetings, typically music starts, people start dancing. It's, it's unbelievable how nice the atmosphere then typically is. And that's, of course, the, the place where you can really um, yeah, party on the one hand, but also get to know new people, network. Um, so I always enjoy it a lot. Yeah, work hard and play hard. But actually, it is fairly... So, Elmi, the European Light Microscopy Initiative has a meeting every year, uh, running into roughly its 22nd year, I think, at the moment, 20, around that number. I think we were, debate, we were talking about this earlier. I, I, exactly. Don't, yeah. don't pin me on it, maybe even 23. Uh, and, and Dublin was great fun. But actually, it's one of the few conferences where actually people get up and start dancing very early on and carry on dancing until very late. And I, I, so you get up and dance, we've danced together on that dance floor. When you're out, would you normally dance? <laughs> um, yeah, actually I, I do like it, but I don't do it as often as I maybe should. So sometimes we went out also with the colleagues um, and then I do dance, yes. Um, also, um, I do play volleyball with a very nice hobby team. And we used to go out uh, at least once a year, uh, yeah, just um, around Christmas, so to have a Christmas party. And then we also used to go dancing afterwards. Didn't work out all the times, but, but yeah, most of the time. And then I nowadays do dance. I mean, maybe I don't want to be recorded, but I enjoy it, that's important. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say actually so it's great you said that you enjoy it because I think the vast majority of us we, we're not reserved dancers 
at Elmi, there's quite a lot of full-on movement. Maybe movement is a better term to use than dancing in a lot of cases on the floor, but it is great fun and it is a great atmosphere. But Elmi is fairly unique. So not only does it have a great social side to it, which is what really forms the networks, enables people to talk more freely. I, I, one of my best grant proposals came on the back of one of these nights at Elmi because you just enter less inhibited conversations about science and you can put new ideas out there and find the right people to work with. But it also has, you know, we were talking about someone earlier uh, before, before today, before this podcast, about people going to the dark side. So going out of academia and into industry. And of course, Elmi embraces this quite nicely. And mm-hmm. you also sent through, nice picture, by the way, is of the, <laughs> oh, you, you describe it, Stefan. Maybe that's easier. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is a bit of a tradition at, at recent Emmy meetings. I think it started at the last Emmy meeting in Barcelona. So we have a um, football match between companies and, and academia. So on that blue is are the um, company people and uh, red are the academies, uh, academy people. And yeah, I, I think both of us are on there. So, well, at least I'm standing in the way. <laughs> Somebody tries to attack. <laughs> yeah, no, we're both definitely there, as is, yeah, plenty of other well-known faces, I think. But I think it's a really welcome addition, actually, because it does bring down those barriers. Because, you know, we, we joke going on the dark side. They're very much equally part of our community, aren't they, actually? Without the people selling in industry, we have nothing to buy. Without the people in industry commercializing the development and developing their own products for us to use, there's nothing. So actually, we're kind of the two sides of the same coin in many respects. It's just uh, the way we get paid is is different, I, I guess. But so a lot, most of them will have PhDs. Most of them will have been researchers at some point and just decide to apply it uh, to our benefit yeah. in a different way. And I think these football matches are just a really nice way to film the bridges, to make it more... Do you ever feel there's a wall between academics and commercial companies in appro- approaching them? Or do you find it completely uninhibited to just walk up and talk to someone uh, who's trying to sell you something or potentially might be trying to sell you something? So I didn't completely get your question. So it's if there's like sometimes a wall between companies... Maybe. I, well, I, I certainly feel sometimes if there's an exhibition, I don't mm. want to go up and look at every stand because I don't want to engage with someone who I don't know that well. And I just worry that they're going to try and sell something, which is such the wrong feeling to have. So I don't know what your feeling is around that. Yeah, well, I typically prefer to get a bit of an idea well, I mean, if they have like really the equipment at the booth, then it's definitely more attractive than than if they just have like brochures and, and try to sell you something. On the other hand, I, typically I, I try to really be yeah, connective and, and open to, to companies because so in the facility, we mainly have commercial or nearly commercial equipment. So we also depend on the companies. If they don't have good equipment, um, well, we cannot offer good service, obviously. Yeah. Or we would have to change to build it ourselves. Um, but yeah, that would mean much more staff effort, of course. 
<clears throat> no, I, I, absolutely right. They are essential to us. And, and I think Elmi, because it obviously has the workshops as well, which makes it very interactive and engaging. Uh, and they're teaching us at that point. So again, they certainly become teachers. Uh, certainly mm -hmm. Elmi, I think, with the workshops. Uh, and you, of course, are very instrumental in Elmi. Uh, so you make sure it happens every year. <laughs> so you are kind of the person who is now behind most of the operations and just keeping an eye on it. Uh, you're going to be too modest to accept that, aren't you? Yeah, most likely. <laughs> too honest, but uh, too, too modest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I should be honest. I mean, I don't do that much. It's like, okay, I, I know a, a lot of the Emmy meetings and, and help then the local organizers. I'm also typically trying to get the steering committee meeting running and invite the people, um, keeping track of the members and so on. Um, yeah, but in the end, it's, it's of course the local organizers who get chosen by the um, steering committee uh, to, to run it. Of course, I, I yeah, can give them some feedback from last meetings or bring them in contact with the organizers from the last meetings that they know how to do it. But um, I don't think I do that much, Peter. I say to I've I've ran a couple of Elmi meetings and I know there's not been one that I haven't had to float a question past you for your advice, you know. And I think that says a lot. You're the glue that keeps it going. And actually, you say getting that steer, making sure the steering committee happens. It's a very important, bizarrely informal setup, uh, Elmi, yes. <laughs> uh, but it works. But it yeah. needs always be driving it you know and it's your newsletters that you put out regularly putting the steering group together so actually i think you do you may not have kick-started it in this you know it was yeah, definitely not yeah because at the beginning i was not involved yeah uh, but certainly now i think you're you're the glue that you're the go-to person uh to to ask any advice any questions uh and you'll always direct people in the right side to so your influence Again, going back to that imposter syndrome at the start, <laughs> you know, you're, you're teaching not just people at EMBL, which is one of the leading or the leading molecular biology labs uh, in Europe. You're also teaching on an international level and inspiring people to go on to improve their science and even become better and even dedicated microscopists going forward. You've got your influence with ELMI and making sure it happens. And that without question has inspired many people to go on to have successful careers. When in their PhDs and early postdoc days, they may not know where they're going, but the ALMI meeting shows there are different pathways, different routes, and a lot of excitement in science. So mm -hmm. I think I see not such, not such an imposter. <laughs> so, well, thanks a lot, Peter. <laughs> I'm gonna take the embarrassment. I'll, 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 you're too modest to accept a lot of that. But it is true. What was you, so I, I know what your first microscope was because I've seen it. What is your favorite microscopy technique? Oh, this is a difficult question, I have to say. Um, a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, because it really depends on, on, on what you want to do. So, uh, for the one Thing. It's, it's maybe a light sheet if you want to image embryo with low phototoxicity over a long period. 
uh, and also relatively fast. But well, then if you want to more and get more details, then then you go for super resolution. Uh, it's it's really. I think I cannot choose any technique. Deep. For me, FRAP. Nice and easy. Fluorescence recovery after photobleaching FRAP. Just, I find it still amazing how fast particles move in biology. Yeah, okay, that's that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did a bit with FRAP as well, but yeah, I mean, if you want to know about diffusion speeds, um, or maybe binding coefficients. Of course, it's it's a very nice technique. Yeah, but it's very limited to this. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just the images. It's just watching biology. It's in equilibrium, and then you see it moving. It's just yeah, it's mind blowing for me. Absolutely brilliant. Moving onwards, uh, when has been probably the most challenging time in your career to date? I'm not saying you're going to get more challenging times. That sounds wrong. What, what has been the most challenging time you've had in your career? Maybe that's a more positive way to word it. Mm, yeah, let me think. So, I mean, one time it was at least time demanding a lot was the time when I still did my PhD. So I, I did my PhD at the University of Heidelberg at that time at the Botanical Institute, and now it's belonging to the Center of Organismal Studies, I think. Um, and actually I was visitor at, at uh, RLMF before I started as staff member. Um, and then at that time, Timo Zimmermann and, and Jens Getorf convinced me, Stefan, please start with us, we need a um, new member in the team and I said, yeah, I, I would like to, but uh, I still have this PhD to finish. And then finally we agreed, I start 50% at the RMF um, and still finish my, my PhD in, in the rest of the year. So basically three quarters of the year. Um, and in the end, of course, I did work a bit more than the 50% at, at RMF and still had to somehow finish my PhD. And that ended up uh, yeah, working daytime at Ember. And then when I came home, uh, yeah, started to write the thesis. And sometimes I went to bed three o'clock and that was the time when my son woke up again. Because <laughs> so, at that time he was like six months, uh, a bit older. Um, so yeah, that was, well, I, it took a long time, let's say. It, it, I didn't find it that stressful because I liked all of that. And for me, the good thing was I, I needed to really finish the PhD. It was clear, okay, that's the time you have to do it now. And, and that helped me to also finish. I, I think I would have taken longer maybe without uh, this kind of pressure. So I have a, a reflection question, really. Uh, so your son was three months old. Uh, you're balancing two jobs, essentially working all day, working all through the night. Do you feel as though you just for, for that intense period, that short, intense period, did you did you miss out on not seeing your son as much as maybe you'd like to have done? Um, so if I missed, I didn't completely get yeah. it. Do, do you feel as though maybe you put a lot of effort into work and maybe didn't see as much of your son when he was at that very young age that you would have ah, liked? Okay. Um, I mean, I, I tried to actually be there as much as possible. 
And um, I mean, the advantage, of course, of, of uh, finishing the PhD is also, I mean, you're a bit flexible. So I, I tried to work when he was in bed, obviously. And that's why it was also partially late. Um, no, but I don't think it was such a big problem. So that part, and yeah, I mean, it was not every day like that, obviously, because some days I didn't go to Ember and then I could really work completely. And I mean, I did also do confocal experiments with my, my plants at Ember. So I, I mean, it was a bit synergistic as well. So yeah, I, I mean, it was not that bad, but at least it was um, more than 40 hours uh, working time per week uh, in, in that time at least, yeah. And so you also mentioned the fact that it was Timo and Jens that were encouraging you to, to take this job at the LMF. And actually I went on a course in 2001 and that was taught mm -hmm. by Timo and Jens and that was very influential on in my own career. And Timo, I believe has rejoined EMBL um, mm -hmm. and runs a facility of a kind at EMBL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the difference between what he's running and what you're running? Yeah, so I mean, you have another potential interview partner there, I would guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's a team leader now at the Imaging Center, which um, was just established uh, at, at EMBL. And um, I mean, there the idea is basically, um, as I mentioned, we have mainly commercial um, light microscopes, but um, there's typically quite some time between, yeah, developing a new system, like let's say a new stat by Stefan Hell or Minflux, for example, and then commercialization. Okay, that was maybe a bad example because Minflux is already commercialized <laughs> uh, to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, the idea is basically that, that systems which are not yet commercially available get yeah, already streamlined that they are easier to use. Uh, and then made available to the visitors and also um, internal Ember people in principle. Um, and that means, of course, a different uh, ratio of stuff to, to instruments. So, I mean, we have like five people per ins uh, um, instruments per stuff, while that's um, rather one-to-one -one or even two staff members per, per instrument or so, dependent on how how it's done and so on. Because of the complexity of the instrument and how to apply the sample yeah. to the instrument and I guess even keeping the instrument running, aligned and so yeah, forth. Exactly, so yeah, in Timo's team, there, there are um, 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 optical, not designers, engineers so who can really build the microscope and, and team up also potentially with the people in-house. So for example, Jonas Ries group built a single molecule super resolution microscope. And as far as I got, they also um, moved this over to the imaging center. Um, I hope I got it right at least. So you have to ask Timo about that. Um, but then of course the, the optical engineer can do it, but still ask uh, the people who did it originally in, in the best case. And then there's also application scientists, like maybe let's say me, who can really help um, running the instrument. And yeah, the imaging center is more focused to visitors than, than we are. So um, 
for us, it's more um, if multiple embryo groups need a certain light microscopy equipment, um, then we would try to, to integrate it in the facility. Um, but, and, and if we have it, we are open for visitors. So visitors can come then and, and use it, get with our support, obviously. But the imaging center is um, yeah, more, even more targeting to, to outside visitors but at the same time open to internal users. But as far as I got it, the internal uh, users have to apply on the same route. So it's more difficult to, to get that. Well, I mean, here it's just like, if you need it, it's, it's there, you can use it. Um, and in the imaging center will be a bit more complicated for the internal ones, but still working would be better if they couldn't use it at all. Exactly. <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing it. Uh, I asked you what your most challenging, difficult times were. What about, what's been the most fun time of your career? I mean, more or less all the ending meetings. <laughs> um, yeah, also sometimes when we go out with the, with the team, uh, I mean, yeah, for example, Yuri was, was leaving to Bern and then we had a Halloween party in a Russian discotheque. <laughs> that was also a fun event. It was close to sending you pictures from that. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's, there's a lot of fun things. So, um, I mean, Rainer once said, actually working is like holidays. And I, I know what he means. It's, it's uh, very similar to holidays. Most of the time, there's exceptions. Um, yeah, but most of the time I really enjoy the job. So, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of um, events which I really like. So that comes to the question, when you retire, what would you like to do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a long way off. If anyone's actually listening to this, Stefan is not old. <laughs> Just as quickly say, I've asked what you wanted to be as a child, what you are now, what would you want to be in the future? <laughs> well, yeah, it's still a few years to go, um, and I don't feel old. <laughs> but okay, sometimes I start feeling older um, if I see the PhD students here at Ember starting. Um, but yeah, um, I didn't think so much about it yet. Um, so what my wife and I like a lot is in general being at the sea. And I mean, sometimes we said, hmm, maybe small house at the coast somewhere. So that could be something at least for the summer period or so, but uh, yeah, it's more, more an idea. Does that explain <laughs> these pictures that you sent? Yeah, that, that fits a bit to this uh, picture, yeah. So, um, I like snorkeling in general. So that was, I think, at Elba, holidays on Elba. Um, yeah, very nice there. I, I had to do a lot of image processing on that one. So I did have a nice underwater case of a for a digital camera. Actually, yeah, so it was not the best ever, but okay, it took a few nice pictures, but I had to <laughs> take much more to get a few nice ones. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's something I could imagine doing um, when I'm retired, at least at the beginning, not when I'm too old. This is a similar picture. Uh, so another set, uh, this certainly looks underwater to me. 
Yeah, exactly. So left, so at least from my view, left from your head is now the octopus in the center. And that's one of my favorite animals in general. I mean, sepia octopus. And I was really happy that I saw this and even managed to take a more or less nice picture. Even though it's hard to see it, but they're really master of, of disguise. So, um, yeah, I, I really like these animals. So I, I kind of nearly stopped eating uh, um, octopus and, and um, sepia and so on. In, in the canteen, <laughs> not completely, but most of the time, because I like them so much. So thinking of food then, uh, what's your, what is your favorite food? Um, well, I, I like a lot of food. Um, one thing I really like is Kaiserschmarrn. Which is? Yeah, that's Austrian, pancake-like, but thicker, and it's uh, also with almonds or, or nuts and uh, sweet. And then, yeah, you either have some, uh, and, and it's also very fluffy, so you have like the third um, egg white in yeah. which makes it quite, quite fluffy. And yeah, I like it with uh, vanilla sauce, but it's more typical with either apple, so if you cook the apple, <laughs> yeah. Uh, or yeah, plum or something like that. Okay. And what but, is your least favorite food? If you were to go to, okay, so if we were to organize an Elmi, you were to be taken out and you've got set dinner and they put it, what is your nightmare dish to have put in front of you? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm relatively flexible. Um, I mean, yeah, it depends. So sometimes like um, Weinberg, so what is it, snails are not really my favorite. I'm, I mean, I'm not vegetarian, but I also don't really like like big steaks or so. Um, so a small piece of meat is okay, even though I try to avoid it. Uh, well, for the environment and uh, I, I just don't like it so much most of the time. But yeah, like big rum steak, especially if it's rare in the center, that's something I'm not too keen on. Okay. We'll make sure that's off the menu when we go to the next conference. <laughs> okay, so tea or coffee? What's your coffee? Coffee. coffee. Wine or beer? Uh, both, and I think it depends a bit on, on the environment. So yeah, but it's then, in some cases, I prefer the beer and sometimes the wine. It's not okay. so, yeah. Chocolate or cheese? <laughs> also both, <laughs> but not at the same time. First cheese and then the chocolate as a dessert. Okay, so this is, uh, you're going to say both. Sweet or savory? Uh, well, more savory, I would say. Okay. Would you say you're a maximist or a minimalist? type person? Do you like lots of stuff or very basic little stuff? Hmm. Maybe it's easy to ask you, are you a tidy or a messy person? I think that often reflects. Okay. <laughs> there I have to say I'm more messy, I would say. Okay. And then what am I? Maximist or minimalist? 
if they're I, I, if you're messy, I'd go with Maximix because you just got lots of stuff at that point. Okay. Uh, how can a minimalist ever be messy? Because they've got no stuff to get messy, have they? That's yeah, that's, that, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, then, well, then I'm maximalist. <laughs> I, I'm sure well, people better, are listening than... and going to argue against that, but there you go. Poorly right down. It sounds much better than being messy. <laughs> PC or Mac? Uh, PC. Uh, McDonald's or Burger King? None of them. What is your favorite takeaway then? Um, well, in Heidelberg, we have Dean and David. I don't know if that's a larger, um, uh, uh, um, I don't think it's that large. I think it's only in Germany. But what they do is they have really fresh salads and, and wraps and, and they also do curries. So I like this quite a, a lot. Um, also because they, I mean, it's fresh, but they also have yeah, different combinations which you wouldn't maybe do on your own or it's a new taste, yeah. so. Okay. TV or book? <laughs> I'm trying to read more because in principle I like it, but I end up sitting in front of the TV more often than I would like to. I have to admit. And what is your TV vice? What is your, you know, so you got admit to what you don't want to admit to watching. <laughs> ah, hmm. Let me think. So, yeah, so in, in the past, what I watched together with my wife was uh, Sex in the City and Desperate Housewives. Does this count? Yeah, no, that definitely counts. But I like the way you blame it on your wife, saying, I watched it with my wife. So you didn't say you watched it by yourself. I watched it. You blamed it on someone else and you were just coerced into it. Yeah, I mean, that was like we could um, find a common denominator demo list. So we yeah, both liked it enough to, to watch it. And yeah, I, could, I mean, it wasn't the worst to, to watch. <laughs> What's your uh, favorite film? Favorite film? Hmm. Actually, in the past, due to the pandemic, I haven't been too much in the cinema. Mm. But yeah, one I liked was actually Hidden Figures. I think that was even before the pandemic. So that one I liked quite a bit. Um, Forrest Gump is also definitely yeah. on the list. And I would say Fish uh, Called Wonder is also one I like, even though I didn't see oh. it for a long time. Maybe I would change my mind now. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a long time ago. I, I can't even remember the whole film. I yeah, that, exactly. That's the problem. So I do remember I liked it a lot and I watched it at least two or three times. Yeah, but I, I couldn't say really what happens in, in it. Um, but okay, if I would see it, I would remember i guess yeah. okay star wars or star trek mm, more star wars i would say okay and what i, I actually paid for what about, i should have asked this of everyone what's your favorite christmas film i'm i'm not so i mean that means a film containing something about christmas or, or being shown christmas time yeah or that you would watch over Christmas? I mean, I don't, 
typically, I mean, what we did the last years is invite the whole family. So my parents, my parents-in-law, the family of my brother, it's no time watching TV at that time. So it's, nice. I don't remember any Christmas movies, I have to say. It, it, it sounds like you have your own National Lampoon's Christmas vacation every year if you're bringing all the relatives from both sides together. That sounds very brave, actually. Does it work well? Yeah, it's exhausting, but also nice. But yeah, it shouldn't be too long, I agree. <laughs> so what do you think, back, back to microscopy, is going to be the next big thing in microscopy? Ooh. Yeah, that's a difficult question, I think. Um, I mean, microscopy is, is developing so fast and, and very often quickly in areas I, I don't really expect it so much. So just for example, so the building we are in, it was finished 2010. And just before there were, of course, the first single molecule uh, super resolution papers out like, like Palm, for example. And when we were <clears throat> planning, we thought, well, there's these techniques, but until this comes into a core facility, it will take ages. So we don't need to really prepare for that. <laughs> and yeah, we did regret it because we did have uh, one, like two or three years afterwards, I think. <laughs> I mean, it still works, but yeah, would have been nice to predict it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, faster, more sensitive, maybe also combining, uh, so doing CLEM more efficient or so. Um, <clears throat> yeah, from but, the light microscopy side, maybe more colors. Yeah, more colors would be nice, I agree. So we are using now more size seven, for example, um, because then you can use more colors already. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? If, if you ask anyone, we all say more sensitive, faster, you know, getting that sensitivity, speed and resolution. But if we can look at more colors, you can you can find out more about what's really going on at the sample level. Uh, yeah, indeed. especially if you could really label um, the interesting proteins easily with the, with the colors. So if it would be a more narrow emission band and, and you yeah. could separate it even easier, that, that would be something to, to go for. But obviously it's not so easy. No. Yeah, but I'm also a bit, bit um, cautious about predicting something like that because yeah, I do remember one company ages ago promoted a new microscope before they even launched it. And I really had the feeling, my goodness, what are we doing with all our old microscopes? Because only this new one may be the one everybody wants to use. Obviously it didn't happen because we still have also the other types and so on. Um, yeah, in the end, it really depends on applications and, and how well it fits. So it's hard to really predict it. And, and we typically try to be open and see what the users really need. So if I have a good idea, it's, it's nice, but uh, it doesn't mean that everybody wants to use something like that. And I couldn't build it myself. <laughs> no, I, I, you're absolutely right. It's, it is impossible to predict and there's so Sounds of it. Microscopy is developing on so many fronts and helping solve so many different biological questions that it, 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 
we're really lucky to be in the field over this period where it's grown and grown significantly. Uh, I don't think I envisaged that when I started my role. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I started, then yeah, the, the green of resin proteins were coming and really gave light microscopy a boost. And then there was some time where I thought, okay, I mean, now we are on a plateau, there's not so much happening, but okay, light sheet, super resolution techniques, faster, more sensitive, more correlative work. Yeah, there's still a long way to go. There's certainly still a long way to go. You sent me some more pictures. I, I, I didn't ask what they were. So this one looks like a lot of people in a lab. <laughs> yeah, that was, well, <laughs> I wanted to say before Corona, but <laughs> so that was actually trends in microscopy 2020. And it ended on Friday and on Saturday, the German lockdown started. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was organized by German by Imaging, and I'm, I was also involved in, in the planning and, and the committee there. And I think Saturday or Sunday before it started, we also had a, a telco to the, discuss should we cancel it or not, because yeah, Corona kind of started uh, also in Germany, and yeah, we really discussed a lot and thought, well, still officially allowed and if we cancel it, it would be really hard for the for the society and now i'm lucky that we did it but it was a bit of, of risk i have to admit uh, what science used to look like <laughs> this is this is this picture will go down in the archives this is yeah. what the world used to be like <laughs> exactly and yeah so i mean it's it's uh, a spring school so we had multiple instruments supported by by lots of companies um and then workshops um yeah a bit like any but and yeah actually also more inspired by the nifo bio in, in france actually um so they are they are bigger but that was the first trends in microscopy like that so we First, uh, we're hoping we can redo it this year, but uh, finally we postponed it to next year because in March it was still a bit too risky. Even though officially it would have been allowed, but um, yeah, you need to <clears throat> also get the applications then soon enough and people still have to come and like to come. So in the end, we decided to postpone it again. So many people in lab coats. That that's that's a rare sight sometimes in for biology anyway, <laughs> not for chemistry so much. You also sent me this picture, which well, where are you? Yeah, what? that was our last big uh, holidays before Corona more or less. So that was um, um, May two thousand nineteen, I think, and we went to New York. And okay, the hotel is, was in New Jersey. And that was the view we had at, at breakfast. So um, during the, the pandemic, I very often thought back of these holidays and, and thought well, how nice that we did it uh, 2019 and didn't plan it for 2020. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was really nice holidays um, with a nice start by breakfast with this view. Do you get to travel much? Um, well, I mean, I, I try to not fly too much. 
Um, so privately, we don't fly a lot, I would say. And yeah, I mean, work-wise, before Corona, I, I try to fly maybe one or two times per year, but if possible, even avoid it. So if, if possible, I rather take the train. And privately, I mean, for holidays, we very often take the car and yeah, go to Brittany in France, maybe Italy, Netherlands, um, because I think in Europe, there's so many nice places to go. And well, we have a dog and uh, well, we typically like to take her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's the painting of our dog, Shiva. Um, and uh, yeah, that's why we typically don't fly on holidays. I mean, because yeah, then it's this dog, either you have to leave it behind or it's, yeah. it's too difficult. Mm. So, so that's one of your other passions is your pet as well. And you, you also sent... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, actually, maybe I, I, I can uh, add something to the picture from before because um, actually it's from a painting my wife did um, because she actually started to be a, a painter. So she's painting... Yeah. Pet uh, on order, basically. So, um, and yeah, I, I really like her style. Um, yeah, and I thought I'd take a picture of our dog as a nice example. So, so your wife's go is obviously very talented artist. Tis a, so if you're listening to this, it's worth watching and getting into the 55th minute or whatever it is on, on, on the recording because the picture is stunning. It really is. So, what does she do? Is that her job now, or? Yeah, it's 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 her job. Indeed, yeah. And so she draws, is it mostly animals that she draws? Yeah, she uh, focuses on animals. Um, and then, yeah, usually it's dogs or, or horses, could be cats also, but, but most of the time it's dogs or, or horses, actually. Wow. I'm very, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that's something I, I couldn't do. <laughs> I'm always impressed and... and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice uh, how she catches the, the, yeah, how the animal is more or less um, in, in her own style. You know? It's so vivid as well, and the light, the brightness of it as well. So it's, it's real, but it's got a lightness which draws you to the image as well, which is, yeah, I'm, I'm no artist myself. Wow, this tree makes it look like I've got a really funky hairdo. So <laughs> That's <laughs> a good style, Pete. You could keep it. <laughs> oh, thank you. At least, at least if I had that as a hairstyle, I'd have some hair, which would be an advantage. Go, so Stefan, where's this picture? Yeah, that's um, more or less the artistry I sometimes do. So I like taking pictures in principle. Um, but that actually was when I was running. Um, so that's between Dossenheim and Schriesheim on the way I, I run frequently. And yeah, it was really very nice lightning conditions. So because the the light came from the back, but uh, yeah, you see there was kind of thunderstorm before. And yeah, this is actually one tree, at least uh, one stem. But somehow the right part has uh, yeah, maybe it's two trees grown together. together. And and uh, yeah, somehow I fell in love with this one. So I have lots of pictures of this one. <laughs> I could do a whole calendar, but this one I like a lot because the lightning is so nice there. And, and yeah, also this contrast between um, flowers and, and leaves, I, I like a lot. 
So is that just on your camera phone? Or do you actually yeah, take it's just um, camera my phone? Yeah. How often do you get how often are you getting out running at the moment? Yeah, I'm trying three times a week. Um, but recently sometimes it was one or two times only. Um, yeah, either because I didn't have so much time or I thought I'm potentially getting sick also, <laughs> which I didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with the corona, I'm a bit more, well, potential corona, let's say, I'm a bit more, yeah, reluctant to overdo it, let's say it like that. Oh, you're, uh, you're more sensible than I am. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> I, said, I think if I thought I was coming down with it, I'd try and get a long run in just to get bank the miles before we get to it. But then I'd probably be more ill, which is a really silly thing to do. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I have a couple because we are actually coming up to the hour. So I have a couple of other very quick questions. Do you have any bad habits? Bad habits? Well, I mentioned being messy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't say that because you, you had to you even thought if you were messy or not. So you've got to have more bad habits than that. Ooh. I, I guess I have bad habits. Maybe <laughs> should ask my wife. <laughs> um, Do a quick text. <laughs> well, what's my bad habits? <laughs> oh, See, so you're just too modest. That's what you're bad. You're just too modest. <laughs> Maybe that's a, that's not really a bad habit. It's just a bad habit. Yeah, then, then I'm guilty. <laughs> okay. And what about your pet hates? Is there something you really dislike? You know, someone's doing something or what is one of your pet hates? Uh, so, so that means not hating pets, but... No, something, something, that, you, uh, something that annoys you. Ah, okay. Ooh, let me think. Mm. I mean, one thing I really don't like is if smokers uh, throw their, their, the rest of the cigarette just on the ground in nature or so. So that's something I... I don't like at all. Oh, that's a very good. Have you ever that's confronted? Some, have you ever confronted someone who's done it? Actually, most likely not, because in the past, it, I didn't realize that it's as bad as it is. Because I also thought a long time ago, yeah, it just rots and it's no problem. But now I know it. It stays there for for ages. It's even toxic. Um, and yeah, I also don't see people doing it that often, or it's like somebody throwing it out of the car window, yeah. and then I cannot really confront the pe person because they they just uh, drive away. Um, yeah, but that's definitely a bad habit, throwing the cigarette out of the car window, even though you have the ashtray in the car, I think. So it wouldn't <laughs> be a problem. Well, well, that was a good answer. Anyway, Stefan. We are up to the hour mark. Ooh, uh, so, <laughs> time really does go very fast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, you know, I, and just keep up the good work. You know, you've inspired lots. You're still inspiring people. Keep going with it. And actually, for all those who watched or listened today, you know, it is one of the rock stars of microscopy that really does match up with the other rock stars for different reasons. And I don't think those reasons should be overlooked. So Stefan, you're a rock star. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks a lot, Peter. 
it was really a pleasure to talk to you. I enjoyed it. But I think you're also a rock star. You're <laughs> a shooting star. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That looks like I've, it's look, I look like I'm blooming Bambi there, jumping before. But I think I did score, didn't I? I'm sure I scored. Was this a penalty? Yeah, yeah if, if, if it was a penalty shootout anyway. Uh, so. yeah, I, I don't remember if that was a penalty shootout, but it could be. Uh, sometimes it ended like that. Yeah, it was <laughs> a pleasure to talk to you. Always a yeah. lot of fun and looking forward to see you latest in June at the Emmy meeting. I hope. Yeah, for, are you, you going to play the football match? I mean, if I'm as fit as I'm now, I would join. And I think there is a football match planned, so I would be in. Right. I yeah. hope you too. Otherwise, yeah. it would be very hard for us. <laughs> Again, everyone, thanks for watching, listening. Please do go watch the other podcasts that are out there. And don't forget to subscribe to your favorite channel. Stefan, see you soon. See you soon. Thank you for listening to The Microscopists, a bite-sized bio podcast. Sponsored by Zeiss Microscopy. To view all audio and video recordings from this series, please visit bitesizebio.com forward slash the microscopists.